And welcome back to the First Cut Podcast with Kyle Porter. That's Kyle Porter. I'm Chip Patterson. And Kyle, as we uh, sit here and prepare to take it to the desert, as we prepare for the Waste Management Open, uh, we're doing a little bit of bookkeeping. Our West Coast Swing is in full effect. The We talked to you on Sunday night with our instant reaction. Uh, we've got some, some good... Some good sit-downs to get to before we talk to our good buddy Sean Martin here on the other side. So you got uh, Jim Nance, you got Lexi Thompson, those full interviews coming up here in a minute. But as you've had some time to unpack your bags and, you know, reacquaint yourself to your to your wife and children, you know, what's the <laughs> what are some of the lingering memories from the uh, PGA merchandise show? Yeah, you know, it, it, it's it's a weird week. It's part of it is a lot of fun, and part of it you're like, you're you get to the end and you're like, wow, it's it's probably time to go home. But the part that's fun is that you get to see and talk to all these people that you either don't see very often, so other writers and and broadcasters and stuff like that, or that you're kind of only watching on TV throughout the year. Whether you're watching them play like Lexi. You're watching them uh, in the booth like like Jim Nance. And so it's fun to have these, uh, you know, I'm cooped up in the shed all day. So it's fun to have these in real life conversations and, and you know, just like the thing that I that I was talking to somebody about yesterday is that I just I just like talking about golf. Right. Like whether it's whether it's women's golf, whether it's I talked to Lexi about the women's amateur. That was fascinating. Talking to to Nance about. Uh, about Tory, which he was getting ready to to call to broadcast. I mean, I just I love talking about the golf and uh, most of the people that are at that show, and specifically the people that I talk to, do as well. What is the most um, if if there are a lot of like minded people? And the the one thing that I've heard not only from you but from other people involved at the event is that it is the conversations. It is just being mm-hmm. in, in certain rooms. If you are, you know, an executive and, and you're trying to make sure you make the connections, it's the fact that in a, in a sport that is so spread out, it is one of the few times in the calendar year where it feels like you get a lot of, a, lo- a lot of the big players all under the same roof. Uh, what was the most, uh, and, and we don't, we don't necessarily have to, to broadcast the name, but correct me if I'm wrong. There is some, really really off the wall absurd like 3 a.m infomercial type stuff at this event right (laughs) yeah there is uh i I can't think of i tried to like last year i was fully like dove into all that stuff and this year i actually actively tried to stay away from it because it can take you to some pretty interesting places and and more and more than that to some pretty interesting conversations. And so actually the the place you know I, I was I was kind of around um you know I I hung out at Callaway a little bit, hung out at uh well I did the Lexi interview was it was it uh the Cobra Puma booth. So the, there's some there's some different like you can tell who the kind of the big dogs are there, but the place that I found to be pretty intriguing that we hung out a little bit on uh, Thursday was this, uh, this booth or this company, I guess called full swing. And this is a, um, it's basically a simulator, it, but it, it's, it's not like going to, you know, your local golf store and like banging a few balls into this, you know, screen that they have or whatever. It's much, it's much more realistic. It's, it's really impressive, and it's being repped by uh, Tiger, Ooh. by Justin Rose, Ooh. by all these big guys. I think Steph Curry is a partner with them, and uh, 
course, the the starting price of one of these is like I think twenty one k. So I, it's not really in my wheelhouse. But I, I'm sorry, if, I was like my birthday's in April. I was sitting here running numbers <laughs> until you just threw out that twenty one k. So this is not a net that I'm gonna be able to put up in my side yard. No, but you can play. I mean, it's crazy. Like we did this, uh, and you can you can switch sports. Like you don't have to just do golf. I we did this thing where uh, you can kick field goals on it. You Get can out. you can throw like uh, deep slants to these receivers that are running across the. It's crazy. It's awesome. <laughs> and it was I just hung out there half, for half the day on Thursday. It's called Full Swing Golf. Uh, they are uh, it's it's and I talked to some of their guys. They're they're they know what they're doing. It's an impressive company. And uh, yeah, pretty cool product. All right. So uh, first, let's go with some highlights from your sit down with Jim Nance. Um, he was there, obviously, with uh, Vineyard Vines. He was very excited. A big, big announcement for him. But um, you know, he does spend some time also talking about his expectations for the season. Any, any, anything else you want to give to the people to set this one up? Well, I think the thing about Jim that always strikes me he he's um, obviously every. It's funny being around him because everybody wants a, a piece of his time and his, and more more than that, just his attention. You know, you see all these people like. You can see it coming from like if you just observe people around him, you can see all these dynamics in play. And he is so good. I don't know if I've ever met anybody better about giving you 100% of his attention. He won't give it to you forever because he's only got a finite amount of time like everybody else. But when he's when he's locked into you, he gives you 100% of his of his attention. None of it is divided elsewhere. He's not looking at his phone. He's not looking at another person he's not thinking about what's next he's locked into you and i don't know that that characteristic is something that i uh i would like that i would i try to do that i try to emulate that and i don't know if i've seen anybody do it better than than he does all right uh kyle porter and jim nance well speaking of pebble uh, we got the season coming up you're going out to the west coast to start kind of that swing later on today uh, what, what are the big questions you have about the season? There's 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 so much going on right now. What what to you stands out as the biggest questions? No, I I don't know. This is questions as much as anticipation. I mean, we all want to know, and I see what everything that you write. You do a phenomenal job, and uh, and as we all do, we kind of always start with TW. Yeah. We start not with Tom Watson, Tiger Woods <laughs> these days, TW or Tom Weisskopf, uh, but Tiger Woods, and this being his calendar debut, uh, I think we're all anxious to see what that's going to look like. Now, I think one thing that's really underplayed, Kyle, is that his pursuit of 83. Yeah. Um, he's at 80, wins, and Snead's got the all-time record at 82. I think it's been very much underplayed. And I think that if he gets this next win, let's say it happens on the West Coast at L.A. or this week at Torrey, now he's within one of tying that yeah. mark. This isn't the major championship milestone, but it's second. And I wrote about it recently in Golf Digest uh, that's coming out in March about how this is something that's going to gain steam this season, this storyline. Yeah. Because if it falls, I think it's the story of the year in golf. Well, And, and the one that everybody always talks about is the 18, right? It's the majors. And, and, that's, and that's the one that you're like, is he going to have Phil's entire career in, you know, in his 40s? Phil's got five majors. Is, is Tiger going to have five majors in his 40s? It seems more reasonable to, to look at the 83 and it's and it's by the way it's an incredible achievement. I mean, yeah. eighty wins is 
it's indescribable. And to do it in, in how few tournaments he's played compared to a lot of the yeah, other We're guys. not going to ever see. I mean, no one's going to be in our lifetime, I don't believe, ever to get to 80. And now, like I say, Tiger could be matching Sam's 82 or exceeding it. And, you know, I was there the first time those two ever met. I, I wasn't in their sphere at the moment, but I was at that tournament. Yeah. The 92 a tournament at Riviera when Tiger was 16 yeah. and, a, and a high school sophomore. So he gets the exemption to play in a tour event. At the time, he was the youngest ever. It just so happened that tournament always honors a, a champion of yeah. its past. Sam was the honoree that year in '92. Yeah. So, in the practice, not the practice, in the pro am on Wednesday, Tiger was playing with uh, an old television actor of of a renown named Peter Falk. He mm -hmm. was Columbo, and he got to the tenth hole. And who strolled down the hill from the clubhouse to watch him hit the tee shot was Sam Snead. And Tiger hits the tee shot, and he figures, well, you know, he, he, he felt his presence. He yeah. figured he was heading right back up to the clubhouse. Well, he got onto the 11th tee, and he looked behind him, and Sam was still there. <laughs> he had followed him for an entire hole. He followed a 16-year-old yeah. sophomore. And uh, Tiger, uh, as the story goes, hooked his tee shot. He was fighting the hooks leading into the tournament. But Snead said something like, hey, I hear uh, you're doing a really great job. Keep up the great work. And then he had it in. Well, who would have known that that was a fateful meeting, that Sam was actually yeah. witnessing a guy that one day could take away a record that probably Snead, you know, went to his grave thinking, you know, Jack got to 73. Yeah. I'm at 82. No one's ever going to ever gonna get there. But, uh, of course, they would have crossed paths years later a lot of champions or a handful of champions dinners before Sam passed at Augusta. But that first time they met was in 92, and uh, I was there to broadcast it and did the first interview with Tiger when he walked off the course. Just missed the cut by a couple. Um, but it's going to be a great year for the game. I'm yeah. just thrilled to death to, to get it started this week with my old CBS crew. I, I've seen some of the stuff Tiger wore in 92. He could have used some vineyard vines back then, too. <laughs> you know, he was wearing back then because he looked up to my buddy, Freddie Couples, and he was wearing shirts that didn't really fit him. He <laughs> no. was wearing the old Ashworth shirt yeah. that, that, that Fred wore. And I was sleeves a, down to here. Oh, sleeves were beyond the elbow. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, and anyway, it's a look, all these young stars of the game, uh, you mentioned it a, a moment ago to try to get five major championships. I don't put anything past them, so I'm yeah. not going to say it can't happen. But there are so many guys. I know that's a constant refrain, but it's true. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's uh, fun too. It just just imagine what this is going to be like with our new schedule and a meaningful tournament every month, starting with the players. Yeah. And then Augusta, and then the PGA, which I think is going to be Tigers. Believe it or not, I think that's his best chance Beth to win. Page. Beth Page, where yeah. he won the U.S. Open. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, there's Pebble, where he won by 15. But I'm going to pick Phil there. And then, of course, we got the Open Championship. Yeah, it's going to be a great yeah. year. Jim, thanks for your time. Kyle, do, you have, do you have a Master's pick, by the way? Is this I too early? I, I don't. It's in development right I, now. I was forced to, to make a Master's pick on January 1. Who did so you I take? Did, I took Justin Thomas. He's gotten, he's gotten yeah. better every year. Yeah. Uh, great ball fight for there. I, I'm, I'm excited to see him. Yeah, well, if he wins, my call is going to be as the ball goes in the hole at the 72nd hole. As you heard on January 1st from <laughs> Kyle Porter, Justin Thomas takes the green jacket. I appreciate it, Jim. Thanks for your Thanks time. Thanks for all you do. Yeah. My call is going to be as the ball goes in the hole at the 72nd hole. As you heard on January 1st from Kyle Porter, Justin Thomas takes the green jacket. Kyle Porter, Justin Thomas, Kyle Porter, Justin Thomas, Justin Thomas. Justin Thomas, Kyle Porter. And our second conversation here is going to be with uh, the great 
Lexi Thompson. Uh, you mentioned teased it earlier. A lot of a lot of talk here about you know the excitement of uh, the Augusta National Women's Amateur. You know she's in a she's in a fun. She's a competitor, man. I I I, I don't get to spend as much time digging into the game uh, as you do, but it's not, it seems like y'all had a pretty good conversation here. Yeah, she she's great. I I actually I had forgotten how old she is. I think she's like twenty three. Is that can that be correct? That Am can, I ten years older? Am uh, I ten years older than Lexi Thompson? Oh, that's definitely possible. That I mean, it, but she comes off. I guess my point there is she comes off like she's thirty three or or older. Like she just. I think when you're. I think when you go. I think when you have that level of fame and success at her age, it it just sort of automatically matures you. And so the way that she talks about. The way that she talks about the women's game, the way that she talks about her place within golf uh, broadly, and, and just the way, I don't know, she just has this sort of air about her that's mature in a way that um, that I, I guess made me stunned to remember that she's 23 years old. So I, I was impressed by her, just her uh, maturity, her mannerisms, the way she carries herself. She, she, was, she was impressive, and she was very... Um, she she's open and thoughtful without giving you everything, which I think is is a uh, is a it's a learned skill. It's a difficult place to 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 try and get there. And uh, yeah, she'll she'll talk about whatever. She'll talk about her struggles, her you know kind of issues with the game and 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 how far she's come over the last few years she was she's very into like growing the game and growing the women's game and i don't know she was just she was a lot of fun to talk to and uh, really enjoyed it all right let's dig into it is it more difficult to um to work to get to kind of the, the mountaintop so to speak or to maintain that to stay there because your, your entire career leading up to the last couple of years was was working to get there mm-hmm. and then some people would say well you, you got there how hard is it to stay there it is hard to stay there um, a lot of people don't realize that you know it's it's not easy getting there yeah, because it takes sure. a lot of hard work and a lot of dedication but to maintain wins and yeah. everything because there's a lot of expectations from a lot of people yeah. from the outside world if if you're not winning every year, um, they're like, oh, what happened to her? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or is she hurt? Yeah. And it's like, you know, we're human. Yeah. You know, we are professional athletes, but we're, hum- we're human. We're going to struggle. And we have to go through things to realize what we're doing wrong and to fix things. Yeah. So, you know, it's a process. And, you know, golf is such an amazing sport. You learn so much about yourself that you have to just keep on keep on going through the struggles yeah. and make the successes that much better. How long did it take you to, to figure out how to, to kind of balance the golf side with the non-golf side? Because you're involved <laughs> in, in doing a lot of different things. Yeah. What was that learning curve like? I'm still learning. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, you know, you learn so much about it. Um, it is important to have that balance. Yeah. And, you know, I took a break this past year yeah. in the middle of the year, skipping a very big tournament, the British Open, and that's kind of what I was going through. You know, I was non-stop golfing, grinding, practicing, training. And, you know, I had a lot going on in the last two years on yeah. and off the golf course. And I, I was struggling uh, mentally. I wasn't I wasn't in a good place. Yeah. And it's something that I needed. I needed a break to enjoy my life, enjoy my family, and realize what makes me very happy and bring that out to the golf course yeah. instead of it all being about golf. Yeah. And I really wanted people to realize that, that I am human, I'm going through things, and I'm not just this perfect, ideal person. Right, and, right. Um, but yeah, that's what I wanted to tell people, and I needed that break. Yeah. And you know, I'm still still working on it, yeah. getting the help and everything. So 
it's a process, but you have to learn it, and golf is just a sport. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I wanted to get your opinion on a tournament that you actually won't be playing in this year, which is the Augusta National Women's Amateur. Mm-hmm. Uh, women playing for the for the first time in a, in a tournament setting at Augusta. Mm-hmm. Uh, how exciting! How exciting is that for the game for for women's golf? I think it's great for women's golf. Um, I think it's definitely showing how much golf is growing on the women's side. Yeah. That's what we want to see, and. Um, you know, I wish we were playing. It would be nice <laughs> if the professionals were playing Augusta. It's on my bucket list. Yeah, um, yeah. But, you know, at least at least the amateurs are getting to play. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I think it's still the same week as A&A or something like yeah. that. So they have to kind of yeah. choose one or the other, which is unfortunate because some of the top amateurs do get invites right. to the A&A. Um, but I think it's great for the women's golf, great for women's golf, just showing how much it is growing. We want to see that. That's why there's so many girls' golf programs now as well. And I think that's just you know, a plus having that tournament. I mean, that's a big deal. It's yeah. a huge honor just to be able to go there. For sure. What What are the other ways that since you've gotten into the sport that mm-hmm. you've seen growth on the women's side and, and maybe can continue to into the future? I think the main thing that I've seen is basically the girls golf program. Some yeah. ambassador for like the PGA Junior League, which is a great golf program and the LPGA USGA girls golf program ambassador for that as well. And just to see the amount of little girls that are out there yeah. following us with our fla- with their flags and just right. see the, the smile on their faces, I, I think it makes my day. Yeah. And it just shows how much golf is growing as a sport. But on the women's side, we, we need that. Yeah. And um, I think that's what the LPGA does great with. There's a lot of great role models out there. We sign all the autographs. We take the pictures. And, you know, we want to leave the sport in a better place yeah. than we came in. For sure. Well, uh, you're doing a great job so far, <laughs> and uh, appreciate the time. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate Thanks it. a lot, Lexi. Yeah, you're welcome. Good stuff there from uh, Kyle and Lexi. You did a good job. You know, you get Thanks, you, Chip. You you ask thoughtful questions. You get Jim Nance excited and and telling you that he's <laughs> going to shout you out for uh, the Justin Thomas win. So, I mean, that was uh, that like he when he does a, a uh, an 18th hole or 72nd hole. A uh, little read like that. He knows that that's really giving people what they want. Oh yeah. Well, he he yeah, and he walks up to the to the set that we were at, and uh, we sit down, and he just uh, he looks into the camera. Hello, friends. Oh my like, gosh. Okay, let's he's, go. Let's he's self aware. He's so self aware. <laughs> um, but he do, he he does it in a way that doesn't come off as like. I don't know. It's it's in it, the way he does it is endearing. I think, I, which is again a skill. A skill for sure. All right, uh, real quick break, and then we'll get into Sean Martin from PJTour.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. And now it's our pleasure to welcome back to the show, good friend Sean Martin, PJTour.com. Sean, you were there at Torrey Pines uh, while Kyle was just hobnobbing and networking and, you know, (laughs) doing all the... Do, doing all the easy stuff. You were the Capital J journalist on the scene at Torrey Pines. How's your uh, How's your week and weekend been? Uh, I'm good. This is my Super Bowl week, so I, I'm ready. I am locked and loaded. Uh, I couldn't care less about Tom Brady, but uh, we have another sporting event that I think we'll be talking about. 
Not only is it not only is Hideki the uh, the two time champ at Phoenix two times, right, Sean? Two times, yeah. And then of course he, last year with the WD, my phone just started exploding. Yeah, it, it, but he's also coming in off a week where uh, what he finished top what top five at at Tory T three. A lot of, lot of converging things happening for it. Sean's not even going to watch the Super Bowl. He's just going to watch a replay of Phoenix after it happens on Sunday. Uh, I'm just hoping for like a 10-man playoff, Hideki, and I don't even care who goes into the first half of the Super Bowl. People are losing <laughs> their mind. And I'll just be just excited as a pig in mud. Well, was that, it, ha- that, that, that happened. happened two years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was – because – uh, It was the greatest Super Bowl ever. It was – even better than uh, than name it. I was uh, I was watching at the house of a Wake Forest grad, and there were more TVs in the house because wasn't Webb in contention? Yeah, it was Webb and Hideki. Yeah, yeah, more TVs on uh, the end of the Waste Management Open than there were on the Star Spangled Banner and opening of the Falcons and the Patriots. It was a very, <laughs> very, very bizarre for the moment, uh, especially considering how much of the Super Bowl takes up everywhere else. But, man, the Waste Management Open this week we got, and you know we can get into more detailed expert picks, but Hideki, Rom, Kucher, Phil, uh, Ricky, it's, it's Xander. Like, we've, we've still got... Uh, th- this is as exciting of an event... Without, even though it does not have the Tiger factor, I think our field strength is still uh, up to par of any of the other events that are here in this West Coast swing. For sure, I think a lot of the, uh, I think the younger set especially loves this event. They grew up watching it on TV. They grew up watching the 16th hole, and and I think they love being a part of it. Is the 16th hole overrated? Who's got that take? Uh, it's a, yeah, it is. It's almost uh, it's almost gone so far the other way that it might be underrated again. I don't know. I don't know where we're at on the spectrum with it, but I uh, I I actually like the seventeenth hole better. Is that a is that an okay take? It's an artisan take. I feel like things have walked back from the sixteenth. Like I feel like it got it was peak sixteenth hole madness, and then I think people were kind of in fear of ruining it and, and taking it too far. And so I do think things have backed off a little bit saying and that now it's properly rated now it's rightly rated. Yeah. Saying that the 17th hole is actually better is like when you do one of those, uh, off the wall is actually better than thriller inner visions is actually better than songs in the key of life. Yeah. Like you're really like you're, you're right. You're picking between the things that are good. Cause the whole finish to, uh, TPC Scottsdale is awesome. The whole 16, 17, 18. It's fun. <laughs> What's up? Uh, is do you have do you have a guess there, Sean? Is Sean still there? Hello. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> what's what's that, going uh, What's going on over there? I think so. You know that you know that Travelers Championship uh, speaker you have. Yes. So my son loves to just hit the on and off button because of the noise it makes. And I think they just they walked in the house from running errands. I think he took it in the car with him, and so it's turned on and in Bluetooth. And so the sound went from my phone to that speaker until I figured out what was going on. And then I <laughs> this is uh, this is big time first world problems. Bluetooth, right. Bluetooth, just all of a sudden throwing everybody off. Big time. We're we're, ta- we're doing a podcast in three different states, and it's getting interrupted by my son's Bluetooth speaker. Is like the is like the ultimate first world problem. 
that we got for free from a golf tournament. That we, that, that we got <laughs> yeah, a free. piece of swag too. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's let's one couple quick clean out the notebook items from Tory Pine. Something that you wrote about was so Tiger's first was it his first professional win or his first win first at Tory Pines. Yeah, first professional win. I, I would have probably should have gone back and, and found, you know, uh, Jimmy McGee, who he beat in the final round of the 1987 Junior World, but I couldn't do it. Uh, so Wait, is I that a – hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Is that a real – Not, not that, the real name. No, oh, okay. No. <laughs> 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 okay, keep going. I love those stories, though. I love those stories. There was that kid that – Steve talked about he lost it when he was 14 and he still remembers his name and the poor kid's probably like a, you know, manager at a Chick-fil-A and Jordan Spieth's a multimillionaire. <laughs> um, no, it's, it was a great story. Uh, I didn't realize that Billy Ray Brown was a little bit more of a player than I thought. He, he won an NCAA championship. He won three times on tour. He was one shot out of the playoff with Hale Irwin at the U.S. Open. It's a pretty promising career, uh, derailed by injuries. He came back too soon, basically one year to try to play in the tour championship because he loved Pinehurst. And, like, you could still hear it in his voice that he was still upset at himself for that decision because it basically ruined this career that was off to a good start. And so, anyway, so injuries all these years, one top ten in the previous five years. He's going up against Tiger and Tory. You know, Tiger's going through this big swing change. There's questions about whether Tiger can, you know, is going to be as good as we thought he was, et cetera. And they go head-to-head. And Tiger needs the eagle the last hole to win. So it's a total, like, 18-hole Sunday showdown. And then Billy Ray Brown basically never finishes 70th, better than 70th in another tour event, plays like 25 more events, misses 22 of the cuts, and then Tiger goes on to win eight times that year, he wins nine times the next year, and makes history. And it's just kind of this crazy, like, their paths met at Torrey Pines, and then they just went in completely opposite directions. Mm. Tiger go- ended him. Yeah, the goods were there, and yeah. then Tiger took his goods. Pretty, yeah, that, that's a way better summation. That's pretty much it. That's how, like how getting was, dunked on how, and you can't come back from it. When you get dunked yeah, on that bad, you're like, well, that's it. I'm done. I got to shut it down. Billy Ray, Billy Ray Brown is Frederick Weiss. There you go. He's, whatever his name is. <laughs> yes. uh, how old How old was uh, BRB at the time, Sean? He's 38. He's lots of years. He's had some tread on the tires. So that was in 99, right? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. How about, uh, what, did you, what did you make real quick? Speaking of Tiger Atori, what did you make of Tiger saying that he couldn't figure out the he couldn't read the greens, he couldn't figure out the greens on on like during the tournament? It's interesting you said that because I've read things about how just like basically our eye you know degeneration as we get older, like green reading does go down as a skill. And even Phil uh, at Desert Classic was talking about that you know for guys his age, he's a little bit older than Tiger, but five years or so that. Green uh, putting and, and driving are the two things that go down the most for players their age. Driving because they lose speed as they get older, and he didn't really go into the putting. But I've heard that green reading does go down a bit um, as you get older. You just you know your, your eyesight gets a little worse, and you kind of miss those little things in the green. I could definitely see that. I mean, I feel like we see Tiger just barely miss a lot of putts. Not like his like stroke is horrible, but we just always see him. You know. We just see one one arm swings out and then he comes in and says, "Oh, I just couldn't get the speed today or something like that." And you know, he shoots a seventy that could have been a sixty-six. Uh, I feel like that's a pretty common common scene the last few years. 
Well, I, I told I told Kyle that the the greatest carrot that we can dangle in front of golf fans for Tiger Woods is that every all of his game looks tight and he's all over the cup, but he just can't make them because that's going to have us coming back because you're just seeing you're like, oh, well, all he's got to do is just start making some putts. Oh, yeah. Well, these putts are going to fall like we will continue to show up week after week and like frustratingly watch the 70s that could have been 67s or 66s, but still come away with all the positivity and hope that's going to have us coming back for the next week because this, what we saw at Torrey Pines was um, a game and a form that it's not hard to see how things could break. And then all of a sudden, and this is something that Jim Nance talked with Kyle about, then all of a sudden we're starting to get to you know, win 80, win 81, win 82. And then we start to look at 83 a little bit differently, which I think is probably uh, one of the more intriguing big picture Tiger Woods conversations in golf. Yeah. Last week was just like the worst Tiger week to try to cover because it was like, yeah, you know, like he looked really good. He looked good enough. He could definitely win on the tour this year, but also he wasn't that good because he wasn't really in contention uh, and it was just like, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Like there's not this great storyline of like, Oh my gosh, like he's going to win the tournament or he missed the cup by five. It was, yeah. Tiger Woods is pretty good at golf. Uh, nothing new here. He still could win, but he'll have to play better to do so. Back to you. <laughs> Sean. Well, yeah, there you go. Sean, who last week we, and, um, Chip and I talked about this a little but bit on Sunday, but Hideki. Who, yeah, besides Hideki, who last week changed your perception of what they're going to do in 2019 the most? Uh, I'm going to say Justin Rose only for the sake that for the fact that I was just like a big that T34, the Desert Classic, uh, because he finished outside the top 25 just three times in his last 33 worldwide starts. I was like, yeah. oh man. This, this weird sounding equipment company, he's out. Big mistake, shouldn't have done it. Uh, and so I was a pretty quick sell. I mean, I knew it was rusty, and I didn't think that like this was going to be disastrous, but I was like, all right, he might just you know go from number one to number three in the world. And then you know, he comes out, and he, he plays so well, hits his irons really well. and uh, I mean, he had a good point, too. and He said that a, a set of blades, like Ford's irons, they're basically a chunk of metal. So there's only so much you can do with them. So, like, they're not going to mess you up that much. And so I think for him, I think my overreactionary take after Desert Classic was the place like, oh, no, you know, Justin Rose is still really, really good at golf, even if he did change his equipment. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a good take. I overreacted to the T-34, too, just because that was a bad field. He'd been playing so well. Uh, it's not – it wasn't a difficult, you know – course and maybe maybe he struggled a little because it wasn't a difficult course somebody like justin rose obviously i think plays better when when you're when you're put on difficult courses like we saw at, at tory even though tory was playing easier than normal but uh, i think my answer might be adam scott mm-hmm. I, I don't um i don't know what i expected from him i, I don't i don't ever think about adam scott like i never like when we're talking about the top guys and the major winners and all this stuff. I like, he just, he just eludes my like perception of the PGA tour. I I just don't, he's not in my purview. Like I don't think about him. And so I guess for him to like re enter and reemerge, not that he went anywhere. You're just like, Oh yeah, Adam Scott's unbelievable at golf. And I don't like, I think everybody made such a big deal about like the science of putting with the pin in 
Whereas I think the actual benefit that it offers somebody like Adam Scott is just the, the mental engagement. Like if he thinks he's better with the pin in putting with the pin in, then he's probably better. And so I, I think that I think that part of it intrigues me about the rest of his 2019. Don't our ups and downs with Adam Scott over the last four to five years, I guess, don't they don't they mostly stem from the green from the changes in the putter? I think yeah. I think yeah, I mean, he has to ball throw you to death to win. Uh, the thing, too, is he also went to arm lock putting last week, so that was a big change as well, which that- helped. And, and now I'm just waiting for him to go single-length irons, and, and maybe he'll just go full Bryson. <laughs> is, uh, does Kucher do the arm lock, or is that just Bryson? No, Kucher, Bryson, Chips Boy Webb, uh, Keegan does it. Uh, so a lot of guys have had success with it lately. Yeah, I I think that with I think that that's where with Adam Scott I think that you you should not be surprised when things come together, but at the same time they've got to be ever so tenuous. Like this, how about this? Uh, Adam Scott wins between now and the end of the season. Point five. Uh, it's hard not to go over, right? I I think I'd still go under. I think we see him in contention. I don't know if I don't know if Adam Scott's a win in the winner's circle. The rest of the year, I think he's playing better, and I think that it's fun to watch him, just because it's a he is an inter when he has it going, it is an entertaining uh, viewing experience as a golf fan. But I I don't think that Adam Scott necessarily has captured something that is going to propel him to the front among what is going to be a very very competitive and crowded leaderboards for the rest of the season. I I think what's fascinating and and to juxtapose him and, and Justin Rose because they were playing together on Sunday. I don't think many people would – I think most people would have to look this up, but Adam Scott's had a pretty – like a, a better career than Justin Rose. Wow. Like pr- pretty objectively. Like I don't I – don't, I mean he's got uh, – he's got the Masters win. Rose has the U.S. Open. And he's won four – The players. Well, okay, I was getting there. The other major <laughs> that he won. Uh, and then he, he's won 14 times on the PGA Tour – uh, he was number one. I, I just, I, I guess you could throw, you could argue some of Rose's European stuff, but I, I think that I think that Scott's had probably a better career, and and I think he's younger too. So I, it's that part of it is interesting because I don't think that anybody would say that Adam Scott is is better than Justin Rose right now. Yeah, yeah. Adam Scott was number one for a brief time. I feel like though, and I feel like Justin Rose. I mean, he gets taken over next week probably. Brooks wins. I haven't checked, but. I don't know. It feels like, of course, we say this Rose just won. It feels like Rose could hold this number one spot for a while. Um, I agree with your Adam Scott take, and, and maybe it's just recency bias, but I don't know. Justin Rose just I, – I have trouble I, I have trouble admitting that you're right, even though it's a well-thought-out theory. Uh, by the way, they were born uh, 14 days apart, so Adam Scott's actually older than him by 14 days. You know, I just uh, I, so time to catch up. <laughs> does uh does Adam Scott have a gold medal? No. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's it, that's just another funny part of the Justin Rose uh that you know Kyle, Kyle you know I've have touched on this a little bit but there's a there's a lot to there there is a lot of data and a lot of data points that you point to but they often feel like uh, Indianapolis Colts division championship banners, right? Like the, it's, uh, it's, it's your, 
Oh, he won the the FedEx Cup. It's like, well, you know what? I forgot that he won the FedEx Cup because all I cared about at East Lake was Tiger. And yeah. he he won a gold medal and he won at Tory. But like, man, I kind of feel like everybody was talking about other people at Tory. And I just the if he holds number one, if he holds the number one spot for a while, as you're predicting, Sean, I think that maybe by the time we get to the middle of the season and if he has maybe one more win and uh, is in contention at Augusta, then maybe we start to change our tune on Justin Rose. But yeah, right now it just feels like division title banners. Hmm. Yeah, I think Adam Scott and Justin Rose both kind of get overlooked just because like they kind of just make it look easy and, and everyone just assumes they're good and we all kind of take them for granted. Uh, I do. I love that list of courses that Justin Rose has won on. And I don't even know quite what to do with the Olympic gold medal, but I think that counts for something. I don't know. I Maybe just Rose, Rose's career to me has more intrigue because of the whole start where he missed his first 21 cuts and he was 18 years old. And then, you know, and, and doing it at reaching number one now at age 38 when there's so many young players having all the success, but just him consistently getting better and then him turning himself into this great putter. Whereas, you know, Adam Scott made his hay pre-anchoring ban um, and then kind of really went sideways a little bit like most guys after the anchoring ban went into effect that I don't know for me I just Rose or Scott might have more wins and all that stuff but for me the Rose career trajectory and and the fact that he's done it you know with the short putter and at this age and and didn't have to rely on anchoring all that just kind of makes me like Rose more and then feel like too Rose in the coming years will make up some of that ground that he's behind Scott on and then and then this won't really be a debate uh, through their first 258 PGA Tour starts, Justin Rose won six times. Adam Scott won 14 times. Mm. Yeah, so it's definitely recency bias. I'll admit that. But, but I, how about this? Over under Justin Rose wins between now and the end of the year, 1.5. Are we talking PGA Tour only or worldwide? Mm, how much? What's he? How, what's his schedule look like outside? I feel. I think that Justin Rose will be a winner two more times. Yeah, well, he always he wins like six times in like October and November because he plays Turkey, he plays like the Indonesian Masters. So I I need to know like what my what my parameters are here. Okay, uh, PGA Tour only. Uh, uh and now go, you're even thinking about it. I'll go under right. one and a half. What about you, Sean? I'm gonna go under and say he just gets one more. But you're talking about a guy that does play in Europe. And then in America, he's only playing the biggest event. So, yeah, to win one, it would still be a good season. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go under. All but right. it, I had to think about it. Let's turn our attention to uh, the weekend action. Did you get a chance to walk with Hideki at all at Tory? Because our featured groups coverage largely omitted. Uh, so, like it was just. I mean, the focus was elsewhere. But the the stars and the groups and the the super groups were elsewhere on the course, and so I didn't get my eyes on a lot of. Uh, Hideki's round but man you know nothing nothing about the stats and what little we did show suggested that there should be anything uh expected we should not expect anything from Hideki other than a strong performance like what you what did you see from uh as the president of the Hideki Matsuyama fan club what did you see he, uh, from him if he if he was yeah. if he walked with them it, it was only from 250 feet away 
according to the according letter to of the law. The current litigation. Yeah, yeah Porter stole my joke. That's where I was going with. Uh, no, I mean it was pretty much what you would think it was from Hideki. Uh, he flushed it. He did amazingly. I don't know if you guys saw. Uh, I finally made my colleagues at the PGA Tour put up a short compilation of his bunker shots from the week because he almost hold that one bunker shot at 18 on Saturday. Yeah. And on Sunday, he was just a menace hitting three wood from the sand that <laughs> lands softly and stops and that was like 10 feet from the hole. That was a sick shot on Sunday. That was unbelievable. And that was one on nine. Then on 18, he hit high right out of the bunker over the water. I was incensed. It was only worth a 0.8 strokes gained. I felt like it should have been worth at least two. Uh, <laughs> he hit it over the water. Uh, I mean, most guys would have laid up out of there. Most guys would not have the just bravery that Hideki displayed there. But he hit 95% of his greens last week, which is good. Yes. Uh, with negative strokes game putting, as you expect. But, I mean, that's kind of pretty Hideki-ish. It's just, I think that, you know, he, for whatever reason, I think he loves these greens at, at Phoenix and, and putts well there. And so, I mean, that's the only thing missing from him. So when he finds a place he's comfortable putting, I mean, literally no one can beat him, and that's what we've seen. Two wins, scoring average across 17 rounds is a 67.41. Worst finish is fourth place, besides that tragic WD last year. <laughs> tragic. <laughs> Certainly tragic. Uh, Kyle, what, what are you expecting from Matsuyama? Uh, you know, it it did feel like Tor- Tori was the first time where it felt like, okay, he's fully healthy. Fully, I, I know he played well in the fall, and I, I, I don't know. I think he had a couple events in the fall where he – I'll have to look at his um, – his schedule from the fall, but Tori was the first time where you're like, okay, Hideki's Hideki again. And for him, it's, it's perfect timing. Um, obviously because Phoenix is coming up and I, I don't know. I mean, some, it just clicks with some guys at some places. Do we count the, um, like it doesn't, he doesn't get the credit for like three straight, uh, tournament wins. If he wins this year, does he? No. Like I mean, the strict historically. No, in my books. Yeah. So. Yeah, well, of course. Uh, no, I mean, so are you he's, saying Hideki's back? Yeah, I, I was trying to say everything except for that phrase. Uh, <laughs> I was trying to say it without saying that phrase, but yes, I, I believe that. Why would you hesitate from Hideki, Hideki backness? Is that just because you deal with so much Texas backness that you're yeah, a I little just, bit, just, little I, bit salty to, hate, towards it? I hate. Yeah, I hate the phrase. He finished fourth at the Tour Championship, uh, fourth at Dell Technologies. So he he had a good run in like August, September last year. But uh, Tory was the first time where it really like clicked for me. All right, we'll get into our more specific picks and expectations for the weekend right after this. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Okay, so we got Hideki, as mentioned, John Rahm coming off the uh, 62 and then the temper tantrum on the second round, Kucher, Simpson, Phil, Gary Woodland, Xander Shoffley, Justin Thomas, uh, Ricky Fowler, Tony Finau. When, who's, who's standing out for, uh, let's say, uh, throw to you, Sean, who, who else in the non-Hideki division are you really excited to see or keeping your eye on for the weekend? 
uh, I'm gonna go Rom. I just he was finishing like fifth of this event when he was still in college. Yeah, um, and he just you know he's playing great. It hasn't quite put it all together, um, but you know he won the hero and then he started this year eighth, sixth, fifth. Um, I just think that he's really really close and just I mean a win is a matter of time and, and no better place than here. Obviously big support. He's the ASU guy, but yeah, I mean he's played here since he was in college and. Uh, even before he had tour status, was finishing fifth year. So now you come in as a even more polished and experienced professional, and I feel like uh, everything adds up for him. Kyle, uh, mine's Gary Woodland. Mm. I'm into I'm into Gary Woodland right now. Uh, he was obviously <laughs> awesome at, at yes. Capitalwood. That's a soundbite. I'm just telling you, that's a soundbite. Uh, that's yeah. That's I, I'm, I'm into Gary. I'm into Gary Woodland right now. <laughs> I'm into Gary Woodland right now. He's been awesome. He I mean, if you look at his, if you look at his last, uh, going back to last year, his last, I don't know, ten or fifteen starts. Uh, I can't find him on the. Here it is. So he goes. Uh, he starting with the Tour Championship, or I guess starting with the BMW last year. T twelve, T eleven, T five, second, T ten, T forty one, T eight, second. And then he missed the cut at Sony and then T9 at Farmers last week. So not only did he win last did he win this event last year, but he's also coming in off a of top ten. He hasn't really finished uh outside the top ten in the last, you know, four months other than uh, one or two tournaments. So I, I think he's gonna have a really, really good week again. And I actually probably am gonna end up picking him to to win the tournament. I am I am confused, concerned, and curious. Those are triple C's right there uh, about what we get from Ricky. Cause that was a, that was, that was quite a, like, I, I guess I wasn't as, as plugged in um, for Saturday and Sunday, but Fowler was, you know, not, he was, he was a healthy, uh, healthy set of strokes away from contention. So I don't know how much, you know, attention got paid to the specifics of those rounds anyway, but to, to have sort of the up and down week, and we were we were going crazy over this fashion icon, his untucked look and the shirt. Never, and, and it just seems like there's a lot about. We've got the you know the change to TaylorMade going into Tory Pines. It seems like there's a, a lot of noise around Ricky Fowler, and I am concerned that the the golf might not be matching it, but the form doesn't look terrible. Like I. Guys, help me out with this cognitive dissonance between it seems like the the promotion engine is really ramping up for Ricky to have a good year, and yet there's you know still kind of the same shrug when we uh, when we actually see the performance on the course when you just look at his finishes in the last you know two three seasons. Uh, I I mean I go back to him just not playing well at Torrey Pines. He he hadn't made a cut there yeah. since fifteen, I think. Uh, he had missed three three in a row, which kind of stinks for him because obviously uh, is he Diego. still sponsored by is he he's still sponsored by Farmers, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. So, like, so so it's like <laughs> this the one of your sponsors you can't make the cut at their event. I'm sure if he wasn't sponsored, I mean, you know, you see guys go and he's in from and out San Diego too, or the Marietta, like the San Diego area, right? Yeah, it's as close to a hometown event as he's going to get. It's probably like an hour away his home is. So, so yeah, I, I just I don't. It, I'm going to have to see a lot more than that to to be um, 
down on his 2019. Now we can we can talk about the winning thing or whatever, but I, I just I, there's not a lot of angst for me over missing a or after over uh, finishing outside the top 50 at Torrey Pines. What about you, Sean? Yeah, I think that it is just if he had played well there in the past or more recently, I'd probably be more worried. Um, I think as far as the noise, I mean, I think that's just Ricky's life now. It's just there's always the noise and the commercials and whatnot. But I think that, you know, I know Kyle's a big advocate of winning is overrated. And I do think there's something to it of like, I mean, yeah, he has not won as much as I think probably he would think that he was, was going to at this point in his career either. But he's also been like ranked 10th in the world for like the last three years. And there's something to it. And so I don't know. I mean, ball changes are a pretty big deal. Um, I mean, we saw that with Bubba. Granted, a tailor-made ball, I think, is a lot better than what Bubba switched to. Not that concerned. Um, <laughs> they had a big booth at the I, at the merchandise show. Oh, I'm sure, sure they did. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm not too concerned. I think that, again, it's just a course he doesn't play well at. And I don't know if it's because the same thing with Tory last week. Everyone's talking about how easy it was. No, what a disgrace. The Tories is easy. Da, da, da. I mean, the greens were soft. It had rained, but like, I'm walking by there and looking at this rough, and I'm like, if we were playing out here with no marshals or whatever, like, it would be hard to find balls. This is like four inch rough. It's, it's thick, and so I do think that. I don't know if you know, we had that one memorable drive where he blew it away right and ends had four. And I don't know if he wasn't driving it well or if because his swing is flat, it's harder to get the ball out of the rough and, and elevated. But the rough there is penal, and so it is easy to have a tough week there like because when you do miss the fairways um you do have to scramble you can't fire a flag and so as much as everyone was talking about what a disgrace Tory was for being this easy like it wasn't that easy these guys are just really 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 good yeah um this will also mark the return did you did you by the by any chance sean have you uh did you get a chance to hear jim nance's uh Kyle Porter approved call that's already in the can for Augusta. No. All right. Hang t- the video. Then I think I've heard about this, but oh no, no, no. This, this might've been before the video ended. This is why you come here because we've got the raw. <laughs> My call is going to be as the ball goes in the hole at the 72nd hole. As you heard on January 1st from <laughs> Kyle Porter, Justin Thomas takes the green jacket. I mean, Kyle Porter, <laughs> Justin Thomas, Kyle Porter, <laughs> Justin Thomas, Justin Thomas, Justin Thomas, <laughs> Kyle Porter. And then just inter, interplace that with, I think about that all the time, and just get those games. Or I'm really into Gary Wood. Like, yeah, and I'm really, intro. I'm really into Gary Woodland right now. Kyle Porter. <laughs> uh, uh, good little so a guy I know is Conrad Schindler was a rookie last year and he played Colonial and he ran into Jim Nance. We had Jim Nance record his uh, voicemail message on his phone. Um, <laughs> it was something like, you know, Conrad's on his quest to qualify for the 2019 Masters, so he can't get with you right now, uh, but he'll get back to you as soon as possible. But I thought that was a pretty awesome. I always love those stories when, like, tour players, professional athletes, like, meet some guy and they just become a fan like the rest of us. Yeah, it's that's pretty great. Uh so yeah, JT coming uh, JT uh not necessarily this is a place where you're expecting the best out of him. Kyle, I'll go. Do you think that he will finish above or below on the leaderboard nine and a half? Uh I think he'll finish closer to 
to first. Okay. So I guess that's above. Above. Uh, he finished T17 last year. I, I wonder um, – I mean, I guess it just works out. He missed the cut before that. Why Why does he play Phoenix? Do we know? I don't know. Just being a woke millennial, I don't know. He finished 10th at Tory in a sponsor event <laughs> years ago before he had tour status, but then he really hasn't been back that much. And I, I think, honestly, like Tory, it's beautiful, and the weather was great this week, but there are weeks where, man, it can just get like – it's just cold and you're out there kind of early and I mean not that I mean Phoenix has frost delays sometimes but I don't know I think Phoenix I think guys like being a part of the whole hubbaloo also a lot of guys if they don't like Poana you know it gets bumpy um, I think that is a big thing like you see a lot of guys like Kevin Kisner and some other Georgia guys like they just don't play pedal they don't play Tory and like they've made it clear that it's because of the Poa and so you could have some guys who just because of the Poana don't want to play either yeah Wow. Uh, but but no, I, yeah, I expect – I mean, I said this on Sunday, but I expect JT I, – I think JT is going to go on a run over the next couple months, and maybe it starts here. Uh, who knows? But, yeah, anytime he's in the field, I think a top-10 finish should be expected. All right, Sean, before we get out of here, any lingering uh, big expert picks, predictions, thoughts that you want to throw on the board before we get into the weekend action? Hideki's uh, back. I, I got a I got a number for you. So Data Golf has uh, course history going uh, for for TPC Scottsdale going back to 2010, and it's got the top the top guys in terms of strokes gained uh, against the field, and it's uh, it's adjusted to field strength. So I'm going to start at number uh, one, two, three. F- I'm going to start at number five. Webb Simpson is fifth, two strokes gained on the field per round, which is really good. Brendan Steele is fourth. Somebody named Chris Couch is third. What am I missing there, Sean? I mean, he won on tour. I don't know. Going, how far going back? I mean, he hasn't played much in the last 10 years. 20, 2010. Wow. So okay. I, I, anyway, anyway, maybe Data Golf had a, had a slip up there. But uh, John Rahm is second at 2.4. So John Rahm is second at 2.4. Hideki's first at 3.4. Woo! That's ab- that's absurd. I mean, literally, uh, his finishes are fourth, second, first, first. I don't know what you guys want from him. <laughs> that's that's preposterous. Four, three yeah. point four strokes gained per round. When we look back at Hideki's career, we're gonna just like we think of Tiger and Tory. It's gonna be Hideki and Phoenix. That's do you I- think? Uh, do you think which one is more likely? Rory never wins the Masters, or Hideki never wins a major? <laughs> Oh, wow. Gosh. Um, I think it's more likely that... I think it's more likely that uh, Rory never wins the Masters. I'm a big just odds of like... Look, it's one tournament every year. Like, just the odds are against him just it's one week. You know, you could pick some random, like... You can make that the Genesis Open... And, but just because it's any one tournament, the odds are against them. And I don't know. I think, and now Hideki's got four shots. But I like Hideki in four tournaments versus Rory in one tournament a year. Who's got more health concerns, though? Because uh, if, if I'm picking Rory Masters, which is where my initial thought was, part of the explanation was as much Hideki-related, where, yes, you have 
four majors a year versus one major a year, but also given what we've seen from him over the last three to four seasons, you know, can you expect a hundred percent Hideki is back at four majors a year? I don't know if you can. I think you can, you know, I think obviously he used to work, you know, tirelessly on his game was known for just never leaving the range and probably that wear and tear cut up, you know, but as we now know, like when we didn't know before he has a child and a wife, uh, and so that balance in his life, uh, you knew, you finally, probably knew. I'm finally revealing that he has a family. We now know that he has that balance in his life necessary to, you know, not be on the range all day. Okay. Um, he is Sean Martin. You can follow him on Twitter at PGA Tour S Martin. You can follow him on Twitter at Kyle Porter CBS. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you, Chip. Thanks, Chip. <laughs>